What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Jeremy here, and I am sitting in a hotel room in downtown Toronto. Uh, I was in town for work for a few days, and uh, I'm trying to get this episode together to put it up on time before flying back to Halifax, Um, and thought before we throw it to this week's episode, I'll give you a little update. Um, Bridey was off-grid for a good hefty chunk of time, fuck, felt like she was, felt like she was not able to connect with for years, um, but she is finally back on grid, or at least was for a couple of days while I was here in Toronto. And thank the Lord above, because um, I was having a really, really rough week last week. Um, I know that a lot of you probably follow um, myself and and maybe even Bridie on Instagram, uh, so you might have seen that. Our dog, Big B who is a a very regular character on our show. Um, He's not doing too great. Um, We we found out that Bigby has uh, some brain tumors, and so he's he's had to start some anti-seizure meds. But he's still kicking, you know, he's an old dog. According to the chart at the vet, uh, he is a, he's he's over 60 years old in human years. Um, And he's a big breed, he's one of the gigantic breeds, so, you know, as an eight-year-old dog, he's he he's not much he's not long for this world, I don't think. But um, if you were kind of keeping up to date on on Instagram there and saw that, I just wanted to throw it out there and let you know that he's he's doing good, um, and we're gonna make sure that he has the best fucking life for the time that he has left. And uh, and yeah, I was I was dealing with that, and there's a family member that's really sick, and and some relationship woes, and just a whole bunch of uh, icky stuff and and I'll tell you this long distance thing is it can be really challenging especially when you feel so alone and uh, I've never been more grateful than than the moment that I got a text from actually it was from Todd first Bridie's boyfriend 
to say, uh, hey, what's up? We're, we're back. We're back on the grid. And, uh, and so I was able to talk to Bridie. I kind of informed her about everything that's going on. And she's doing great. Uh, their trip is going amazing. And um, yeah, anyway, that, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get into this uh, in this little intro. So I will, I will throw it to this week's episode. Uh, again, we, we don't have our, our normal foreplay segment like we usually do as Bridie is gone and, and not reachable. Um, so we will dive right into today's episode. It, again, is coming from uh, Los Angeles. We sat down with our new friend, Nicoletta Heidegger. Nicoletta Heidegger. What a name. Um, she is a sexual educator and is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, uh, and she's working currently on her dissertation, uh, which, which covers a, a topic that is a doozy. We'll, say, we'll put it that way. Um, I loved this fucking conversation. I thought it was incredible. Nicoletta is uh, an absolute gem. And um, uh, I will say right off the top here, a little bit of a, a, a trigger warning for some. Uh, this episode in, includes topics such as pedophilia and bestiality. So buckle up. Hope you enjoy it. And I hope you're all doing amazing. And we love each and every one of you. And we'll see you all on the other side. What's it called? The Messiah. Oh, I saw the preview for that. Uh, but that's a it's it's a it's a drama. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a comedy? but maybe it's I, ba- I thought maybe it was comedy. No, no, no. I was <laughs> like I, Jesus is so funny. I'm just waiting for Jesus a comedy. That's all. No, I was thinking we were talking about like a like a doc. Uh, you know, like just, like oh, wild no, wild no. country type shit? Yeah. Oh, my grandma's an Osho. No really? <gasps> yeah, well. Yeah, she was part of the like OG. Was she there? Like at the no, because she has anxiety, so she like didn't want to travel. But her friend Mystica, who got her name from Osho, is was there. Whoa! Yes, interesting. She's still a big, you know, still wear, that, still wear, wears practices. the red. Does that like get in your way? So both my parents are Christians. Um, one sort of like n- not neither like fundamental like uh, like scary uh-huh. like they're they're the Christians that like love Jesus and love the message he was sent, you know, spreading or, you know, this is what, what they have. Does it get in your way at all with your, in your relationship with your mom to like, if, that she's in like involved in. Well, it's my, gra- it's my grandma. Oh, it's your grandmother. Um, But no, I think, I think the tenets that she likes about it are things that bring us together, sort of like free love and sexuality. Oh, okay. and, um, So it's more of like a, I think she's cool. So in terms of like your, how you got into all of this sexuality education that's came pretty natural like it sounds like yeah my i mean my parents were uh my dad is from europe uh, my mom is like a new york jewish person um but they were pretty open like talking about sex so um there wasn't a lot of uh direct or i guess or indirect sexual shaming happening mm-hmm. um so i would say more than most people um i was able to like explore that that's part cool. of my life when I look at your social media and stuff, I've, it seems very <laughs> easeful, like and like natural within how how you present like information and like share stuff. Like Thank some you. sometimes when I look at like things, people that are educating or sexual educators online, it's like it almost feels impersonal. It's like I'm a sex educator. Here is the education, but with you, it for some reason it just seems very like accessible and comfortable and oh, thank natural. You. I yeah. appreciate that. We, we probably should say for the people that don't know, um, uh, Nicoletta Heidegger. Did I, did I n- nail that? Nailed it. It, it really <laughs> feels good coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Nicoletta Heidegger. Um, it, you I'm are Dr. Heidegger. Dr. Heidegger. Soon to be. Uh, I mean, soon is like relative in the doctoral program. But sure. Like in the next few, <laughs> in, like in the next decade. Years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a, you're a sexologist. Yes, that okay. means someone who's studying sex. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say what it, like what is a sexologist, uh, but it's it that so I guess that could be a pretty broad. Scope. Are we sexologists for having a <laughs> no. sex podcast where we ask no. people that? There's no, no. like 
uh, I don't know. There's no governing body that's going to be like, you can't call yourself that. Oh, right. then we are. Then we and are. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it means like you're studying it in um, like an academic sense. But I think I think it's important that whether you can't afford it or whatever, that people get education from anywhere they can and like be their own sexologist. So I think that's where this podcast came I support from. it. Honestly, we were just, I I was like, my sex education was inadequate, as was probably all of ours, and I needed to know some things, and the only way I felt like I could do it was like, because I had so much embarrassment about like talking about things, that I was like, well, I have to do it as a performer, I have to do it on a microphone, it has to be, it has to be, have some sort of performance aspect to it, because um, otherwise, I'm just too shy and uncomfortable to talk about it and you didn't have a persona sort of yeah we we also had the excuse of we had just opened our relationship and we were having a lot of questions coming in from our friends and family members and we were like well if they're all coming to us with these questions we might as well record them record them yeah and like answer them and put them out to the world it's like a like a template saved email where you're like well here's the canned (laughs) response Yeah. yeah yeah um but you also host your own podcast Yes, Sluts Uh, and Scholars. Sluts and Scholars. What's that all about? So originally, I mean, I knew I wanted to do a podcast um, just to reach a a wider audience because my my work is very solitary as a a therapist. So it's nice to do something that's also social and and reaching other people outside of like a confidential space. Um, And I had just gone to the the spa with a friend of mine um, who was an, uh, an adult performer. And she was talking about how she wasn't allowed to like teach kids or like pretty much teach anywhere just because of her history um, as a famous porn person. And um, we were talking about like why it sucks that you can't be a slut and a scholar because this person is also very smart and an amazing educator. Um, And I think that coupled with uh, I had a supervisor at a place I was working at and um, basically when before you get licensed as a therapist, you have to like meet in a consultation group with a bunch of people and go over your cases to like be supervised. Right. And so I had posted a picture on my private social media of me wearing a friend's, uh, Sasha Gray, a shirt by her that my friend had made for us that said born to fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so I posted this picture on my, on my private, uh, like Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And, uh, the supervisor spent 45 minutes of the consultation session saying like how this was so inappropriate and what if a client saw it? Um, and so those two things kind of mixed together. I was like, uh, we need to talk about this. Right. I should be able to be a sexual person and, um, also be taken seriously as a professional. Um, so that's how it originally got started, but now Mm. it's kind of turned into like, anything sex reproduction like body autonomy just like no shame um yeah the anti-shame podcast i would say yeah yeah that i mean i i i commend you for that i think like i think that that's so important right now like for especially in because i i've faced just be being associated with this podcast like i've lost out on professional opportunities Mm-hmm. just because get used to it i yeah yeah and and I, you know what to be honest with you i'm fucking okay with it i'm totally okay if yeah. someone goes yeah we're, you know we're not going to hire you because you have this podcast i go great i don't want to be associated with whatever you're trying to do yeah because it doesn't align with with my views and that sex should be fully normalized you know like we we've it's we've, weird it's like we're not a lot we're humans we can talk about everything but we can't talk about grocery shopping yeah it's like we right. all, we have to do it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't get it. My but friend got invited to be on a um, a cooking show, and it was like a surprise invite that she had applied to, and so she had listed me as like the friend to contact if she got it, and so they brought me in to like set it up for her and like do everything, and I worked with them to like plan all this stuff. They brought me into the studio and interviewed me, and then we're getting to like the last step of it where she's gonna get surprised and be on this co- like cooking show that she loves, Fuck. and they were like we um have gotten word that like uh your background check didn't clear and you're not allowed to be on the show yeah (laughs) because i had liked porn videos on my social media it's so crazy (laughs) my god i got cast in what a show that rhymes with the schmazing schmace (laughs) where you travel around the world and try to (laughs) try to compete in things (laughs) 
we were a starting team set up, like ready to go two weeks out. Jeremy and his, me, me and his best friend. Yeah, me and a, my best friend. And uh, they called us two weeks before and we're like, Jeremy on. sorry, we're going to cut you because uh, just the sponsors, we Won't found out about like. Jeremy on. And yeah, and like it, the sponsors just might not like the fact that if they Googled your name, because it's a family show, they Google your name, this podcast might come up. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you and your network. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Which is crazy because I was sorry. on that the network. Sucks. I'm I, not surprised. No, yeah, I was on the network like a couple days prior, like doing the Canadians version of the View. Uh, it's called the Social, and I was talking about like our polyamory. I was talking about have doctors finger in my asshole, like the whole thing, as one does, as oh, yeah. one does. And they were <laughs> on Canadian TV. <laughs> they ended, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And they loved it. And I was like, guys, this was this, this was you put this out at one p.m. Yeah, the schmishmazing schmaze comes on at eight. <laughs> anyway babies are in bed yeah um well that's that's really really cool what drove you to be like what drove you to sexology what drove you to the study of sex um i mean growing up i think uh i had a great therapist and she ended up uh kind of part way through through our relationship together specializing <laughs> in like sex and relationship stuff mm. um so she was definitely a big like cheerleader proponent of that for me and in terms of the mental health stuff that i appreciated and like I said, growing up, I think I was lucky to have parents who were pretty uh, open and supportive around most things. So I ended up being the person that people came to mm -hmm. to ask questions of yeah. um, or they would like ask my parents or they would tell me to ask them in our like sex ed classes. Uh, and then by the time I got to college, I ended up working at like a sexual health um, center on campus um, doing like peer support and uh, we, we like gave out free condoms and sold sex toys and people could come in for peer counseling nice. uh, and then I ended up getting a I was the mascot <laughs> in my undergrad I don't know if you know what that is like the person who dances at the football games wait did you wear a in suit? the costume yeah, yeah. Like, a, like an actual mascot, mascot. yes I was the mascot yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a tree the Stanford, <laughs> the Stanford tree um, and so my senior year we ended up having a uh, uh, basically someone had written like some sort of sex story and I was like I feel like I could do this better mm. <laughs> and so I uh, ended up doing a column called sex talks with the tree um, and I really enjoyed that and uh, we got a good response from it and so all those things kind of came together and so I knew I wanted to be a therapist and then I realized that most therapists only get like one class if at all on human sexuality training mm. so I was like even if I don't specialize in sex stuff, like I need to make sure I know more so that therapy is not just another place where sex is not talked about right. for my clients. Right. Cause it's huge, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a part of all of our lives, even if you're not having it. So yeah, it is. So, we talk about that a lot. We talk about, yeah. And, yeah. It, and we were lucky enough to find a, a counselor when we needed one for things. And it was just like, you know, it's, it's, it, you hesitate a little bit. Even as even as as far as like booking our Airbnb, it's like, do we say like we're married? There's going to be a third or fourth person also present in the you know, in all of the storytelling and in, in at the Airbnb or in the therapy and like to find a therapist that's like equipped to mm -hmm. be able to handle that in a really nonjudgmental way is I, I think kind of rare, at least yeah. in. Especially Callbacks. to find a therapist who's also your Airbnb uh, host. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, uh, Which is why that's you're here. We'd like to take you back to our Airbnb to talk to our host. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with asking me to your Airbnb. I was like, this is going so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me text my yeah. partner and see what's up. <laughs> yeah. um, you, so you, you're, you're in the world of sexology. And I know that uh, you know, through chatting with you before this all came to be, that your dissertation was on something that I I find so fascinating and I find so important, and I also find uh, to be something that that really fucks some people up when you when you bring it up. But the yeah. the idea of um, of even saying it is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well, actually, the way you worded it in your emails, the first time I've ever seen someone word it that way, which was working with non-offending minor attached persons, aka working with non-offending pedophiles. And this is something we've actually dived into on this podcast before and on my other podcast, Sick Boy, uh, where we've spoken to, and, I, and I'm really curious to know if you know who he is, Dr. James Cantor from, yeah. from Ontario. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I we, cite him in a lot of my yeah. dissertation work. Oh, he's interesting. He's amazing. He's so awesome. He, he's been on Sick Boy and he's been on our podcast uh, Wow, twice. that's huge. Yeah. I'm so 
I'm so proud of you guys. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Because he, he really like, I, I remember when we first had him on sick boy, which is, it's a podcast where we talk to people about, uh, living with chronic or terminal disease for the most part, but it's a comedy show. Uh, but we also sometimes talk to medical health professionals and we got lined up with him somehow like early days of the show. And I remember he came on and he started talking to us about non-offending pedophiles and his life, basically his life's work. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the, trials and tribulations that he faced in 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 um in tackling that subject matter and it totally blew my mind wide open this thought that like oh my god yeah like i i've never i've never thought of a pedophile as someone who's born with this uh this like as a sexual, sexual orientation, orientation. Mm. and and like to it was the first time i ever felt um I felt, uh, compassion. Yeah. Like, like a deep, deep resonating compassion for, for those people. Whereas like before that conversation, I would have been like many other people out there. I'm sure that, that just think like the devil. Oh yeah. Just like throw your hands up and think it's disgusting and, 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 and like my... lock them all up and, and all the, you know, castrate them and all the hor- like horrible thing. And, and for him to, to lay it out that imagine putting yourself in that situation imagining that you can't even get help you can't seek help even if you wanted it because you're likely gonna get locked up because it's so stigmatized and so uh so hard to to kind of manage that that scenario and there's no outlet for them there's no there's no place for them there's no path for them to seek help yeah for the most part um uh, but i'm glad you know of of course and of course you know of his work because he's kind of like i feel like he's at the forefront of yeah i think he actually sent me um some of the some of his work so that I could use it to to build on for my dissertation. Right. Um. So he's he's big in in the community because it's obviously a small community of people who are interested in working with this population. So some of us are part of like email groups and listservs to share information and support each other and um you know figure out what we can do next to work within mm. this specific topic that's so uh, shame based. What drew you to that? Um, we had somebody come to one of my, uh, classes at my, uh, program that I went to at Widener, which was a master's of education in human sexuality. And they identified as a minor attracted person, an MAP. Um, and that's sort of a broad thing for people who are attracted to anyone, uh, under the age of consent. So pedophile is someone attracted to someone who is prepubescent. So that's, um, right. a, a smaller category. Okay. Uh, MAP is kind of a general category. Uh, so they came in and talked to us and first they were saying, you know, they had tried to find a therapist for over a decade um, and like to no avail. Most people just referred them out with with no referrals. Um, and to me, it, you know, in training to be a therapist at the time, I was like, it's so crucial to have a standard of care for everyone that we see. But what if there is no standard of care and mm. what if we can't provide that? But I think what really got me was thinking how crucial and important it is for me to have sexuality and sexual expression as a part of my life and how important that is for just me as a human and my identity. And I'm like, what if you could never act on your sexual desires? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, sometimes a fantasy is just a fantasy and that's great. But like, what if there was no outlet for you to do anything about it? Mm -hmm. That made me so sad. Mm. Um, and I think that's what, that's what got me. And that in combination with, um, just different feelings that have come up around uh, age differences uh, for people that they're attracted to, um, like folks who like older people um, when they're growing up and like age of consent stuff. So mm. all the things kind of mesh together um, to create this interest for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. And did you like alongside your peers and the people that you were going to school with, uh, did you face any kind of uh backlash or criticism for for like having an interest in wanting to to like Help those go people? down that path in my specific program no because it's a very like progressive liberal right sex therapy program and so every there's a few other people who are doing research like that um i would say most people that i tell at least to my face more seem intrigued and ask questions and want to know right. i don't know if that's because i'm saying it in a way that's approachable or they just like don't want to say shit to my face (laughs) or both um but i have posted like videos about it online um and there is where i've gotten like the most pushback 
It's um, yeah. Like I, people threatening me yeah. saying like, I should just kill myself. I'm a stupid, you know, dumb cunt bitch, like, mm-hmm. you know, endless stuff. But that, that fuels me. Yeah. I'm like, that, Oh, I'm touching a nerve here. Yeah. Am I? Yeah. I'm I, like, I think yeah. I have like a, I have just the right fuck you attitude for this kind of, uh, feel. Well, because your intention I'm assuming is to help, right. To help people that have no, uh, no, like, if or just because I like doing things that are like taboo, right? Yeah, and that too. That, Both I, they complement each other. I'm sure. Yeah. I I really you know, and I think a lot of people probably come from my perspective, which was when we first started talking about this with James Cantor. I was like, I I, I like you know, I'm not one of the I'm not one of the many many people who have experienced any sort of like non consensual like uh, age uh childhood sexual trauma. childhood sexual trauma uh but many people in my family and close to me have and mm. there are people in my family who are offenders and it's mm-hmm. like i have i have always wrestled with this feeling of like well you know like a lot of how am i going to forgive how am i going to forgive something that first of all didn't happen to me i'm watching potentially not more evolved but evolved humans in my family making their peace and finding their forgiveness and like moving on and all of this all of this stuff which is admirable and inspiring and 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 investigating the restorative justice process in response to it but like um but in me when we first started having these conversations it was like i i feel like the burning flame of rage and i when listeners would reach out and be like you cannot be having conversations where it's where you're saying it's okay to be like this, which is a, a gross misinterpretation of what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah. is like it's still like we have to talk. It's a reality. Like you can't sweep things under the rug and expect a- a- people just to like heal themselves. Like I think people think that if you want to support folks who need support on this topic, that it means that you are pro uh sexual abuse against children yeah yeah um, and i think i think just the opposite <laughs> but we we live in a country that doesn't really do like preventative medicine really of, of mm-hmm. or much of that and so i think to me even if you for some reason can't find empathy for people who are attracted to minors even if they have never offended i think it, it's it's a preventative standpoint so even if you don't care about those folks right to prevent childhood sexual abuse, we need to really get to the bottom of like what actually propels somebody to act on that. And oftentimes it's not even that they're minor attracted. There's like other things going on like power and, and mm. uh, antisocial personality traits and other things happening. And so I think if we really do come at it from Ooh. that view of wanting to protect kids, um, but then we give no support to folks struggling with these desires, like, how is that helping anybody? Yeah, right. Do Do you think that like, um, I I mean, obviously, I don't know a whole lot about the the ins and outs of, uh, of pedophilia or 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 attachment to attachment to minors. Attract that, minor like, attraction. Minor attraction. Um, but like, do do you think that the the reason people feel that way is because there's like a a lack of understanding of when I spoke to James Cantor, the thing that really stuck out to me was he was like, I'm a gay male. And, and there was a time where Homo- it, yeah. where homosexuality was not viewed as, uh, orientation. It was, yeah, it was seen as a disorder or like, or, you know, it was seen as a choice, mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and he sort of pointed to pedophilia in the same way where he's going, people look at this and they think that it's someone who's making the decision to do this thing versus this person has be literally been just born that mm-hmm. way and mm-hmm. it's the way that their brain works and that's where and that's where a lot of his study went towards and when he put it that way for me I, I would like that was the that was the catalyst for me having this like revolutionary like shift where I went oh my god yeah wait whoa I think that comparison oh. has uh, been pushed back on by a lot of like LGBT folks sure because it's also been used the opposite way to be like oh well we can't legalize gay marriage because what's next pedophilia right, and bestiality right, right and so like yes there are overlaps in terms of minor attraction resembling a sexual orientation and I think that could be used in a positive way to, to right. increase research on this population but um I think folks are worried that it's going to bring maybe the queer community like a step back right. if the two are, are conflated because right. of the shame attached to minor attraction. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm sitting here I, going, well, that's, that's fucking crazy. But yeah. but also, I'm like... Eh, well, I, I, I think guess you guys are very right. progressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, man, that's so interesting. So do you... This was your dissertation. I'm, do, wor- I'm working on that. <laughs> that's what you're currently working on. Yeah, I'm doing my dissertation now. So oh, okay, um, okay. a lot of writing. That's sort of like the, the doctor will come soon, yeah, which right. is like, yeah. who knows when that's going to be done. And is this what you is this what you view or visualize kind of following in, into your it, later into your career as a as a sexologist? I think I think so. I mean, I would hope so because I'm doing so much research on it. It would just be a shame if right. I if I didn't do something with it. But it also informs my practice. So I do see folks in my office who are who are struggling with this. Um, and I obviously use what I what I learn and what I research to inform the people that I work with. Right. I, I, maybe this isn't maybe this is a question for after the mics, but. Whatever. Right. I can talk about clients generally if that's what well. You're no, I, what I was going to say was I've after we did that episode with James Cantor on my other show, we had a number a number like three people that have reached out who were in that position as a as a you know attachment to minors mm-hmm. uh, who wanted to come on the show, and it I I I completely backed away because I was like I don't know if if. I don't know if I want to the it, it, like it's such a it's such a touchy piece of subject matter that I was like ah maybe this is a bad idea for like the the overall well-being of our show and I I like didn't give them that opportunity and I and I've thought about that like a lot mm-hmm. and I I feel like a a fair amount of um uh I don't feel good about that decision because I feel like the entire purpose of our show is to offer a place and a space for people who are going through something really hard to talk about it. But I'm also just balance because you might know that it will alienate some listeners totally away yeah. from you that you want to yeah, and I'm also invite just, into the conversation. Yeah, and I'm also just kind of I'm also scared about yeah. how to na- how to navigate that conversation myself. Yeah. You know, we we had a couple on, and it's one of our most uh, popular episodes. Um. But I also think there are a lot more people out there who like have this attraction than I think people want to acknowledge or, right. or admit. So I talked about this on a on a podcast that was not a sex podcast, like a more mainstream one. Um, and I think the the host was a little nervous how it was going to land. Yeah, I mean they wanted to talk about it, but they were nervous how it was going to land with their with their listeners. And after the show, I got at least twenty to thirty emails from people who were either minor attracted who were dating someone who was minor attracted or who were survivors of sexual assault who were like, this is great that this is happening. Mm. I even got letters from people who were in prison for sexual oh, wow. offenses. Wow. Um, so I think, and these were just people who reached out. So I think, I think there is a, I think this will freak some people out, but I think there is a spectrum of attraction to minors, especially living in a culture where like youth is so, uh, is put on a pedestal. Um, and that's not to say that everyone like would want to do anything about it, but I think just like queerness is a spectrum, I do think attraction to minors for a lot of people can potentially be, is a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, on that technical note, like I, one thing I can't help but think about when this whole subject comes up is like in our culture and even like province to province in Canada, the age of consent is different. So mm-hmm. when you say like minor attraction, you got you got your you got your like it's diverse pre-puberty, but then you've got like this area that can be gray depending on where you're at and yeah. and what your culture is. But and then there's like I don't know, I I'm not factually educated on this, but I assume that there are some places in the world where I feel I feel like I've even read about places where young women, like very young women are totally empowered to sleep with whomever they would like to sleep with no matter you know their age or or their their partner's age yeah and it's like okay okay so <laughs> it's an offense here if you're under a certain age but like there seems to be so much gray there and and we've made a decision and we've made certain like boundaries but not that they're arbitrary but what do we do about the fact that that like maybe it's it's seen as very wrong i mean here. it is something that has like you said has been subjective over time and space um the age of consent and somewhat arbitrary i mean obviously i i support and i value it in place like wherever i am wherever i practice i'm not advocating to uh break the law to harm children no, yeah. um and I, sometimes i feel like i have to say that in, yeah. in having these discussions yeah. but um yeah i, I think there was a study that came out that Congress ended up getting involved in and like going after the American, um, I think, Psychological Association uh, because this study was peer reviewed and released in a journal. But this study basically put a bunch of different studies together and it was showing how um, there are people who have uh, been younger, like in their teens, and that they had relationships or sexual relationships with, you know, uh, illegal relationships with like adult persons, but they had positive experiences. Mm. Um, and people flipped out about this research. I think like Dr. Laura, like put it on her show and like, they were like, shut it down. Um, because it was like promoting, I guess, child adult behavior, but it was essentially highlighting that there's a big difference between like a five-year-old and an adult person versus maybe like a 16 year old and a 25 year old Mm. together. Right. Um, and that for a lot of people, sometimes queer and hetero folks included that some of their um reported maybe most enjoyable sexual experiences or most uh shame-free or experiences that like help them learn were ones that they had when they were minors with adults Mm. but like people freaked out about Mm. this study and it was like shut down pretty much is it more common in lgbtq communities than than i don't know i don't know the research on that but um they were talking about that in there that a lot of like gay men had reported like learning and feeling okay with themselves because they had relationships with older people who could like tell them that that it was okay. Yeah. And that was like a mentorship kind of kind like a sexual mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but even, even though the research was supporting this, people were like, you can't shut it down, promote this research. Hmm. Like it's irresponsible. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. It's amazing what that kind of stuff can, how that, how divisive that can, that stuff can be. Yeah. Huh. Well, um, yeah, I, 
my brain is just swimming with like <laughs> all of this and like thinking about. I know it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Now imagine, now imagine, like this is the thing that you devote your study to. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. I do like other things about the you know the field of sexuality, but yeah, you cover. You kind I of have done a lot of research on this topic for school. Yeah, let's talk about the orgasm gap. <laughs> Big shift. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to know? <laughs> I want to know everything because I, I when I read um, when I read about th- that when you kind of listed it out in in our our back and forth, um, I don't know much about it, but but like I get the concept. Um, well, people... if you want to research for listeners out there, like research on this, I would check out the work of Dr. Lori Mintz. She has a great she has a lot of great research, but one of her books is called Becoming Cliterate. Um, where uh. she talks about the orgasm gap. So I don't want to misquote the numbers of her study. So check her out for that part. But basically the orgasm gap is this notion that um, at least in, in heterosexual like sexual encounters that men are much more likely to, you know, achieve orgasm than than women. Right. Um, by like a huge striking amount. And so it's basically the orgasm gap or at least work on that is to try to, to bridge that gap and like um, make it so that sex is not so penetration focused mm-hmm. um, and more about the nuances of the like female sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. What, what is like, what are in terms of like the study that's going into this? Like, is it, how does that, how does that work? Like, what are they, are they, is it, is it mostly survey based or, or like survey? I believe survey based. Um, this work of, um, Dr. Lori Mintz is, uh, she works at a university. And so I think she, um, researches in some of like the student communities that she works in for her research. Um, but I mean, I can't speak to this in terms of research numbers, but I get so many people in my office who have never had partnered orgasms, so they're only al- they're only able to reach orgasm on their own. Yeah, we've had, um, a, and this is a, this is mostly female-bodied people, yeah, vulva yeah. owning people. Yeah, we've had a number of people write in to the show asking, you know, specifically t- like touching on that particular subject, um, and and like you know, we have a, like a segment on our show where we we give advice uh which we are not qualified to give and whatever i don't know about that so it seems like you're doing a lot of research like hey i know some licensed people out there that i would trust less than i would trust (laughs) you guys so you know um but when those when those types of questions come in i i it's like i don't even know where to start you know i don't even know where to begin um yeah, well, we talk about like learning your own body and learning what gives you pleasure and then like learning how to communicate with a partner and all of those kinds of things. But what else is there? Like, like what, is what it, is it, it, are, are the studies showing that it is uh, very much communication based, like a breakdown in communication or are there other things that like, is it, is it just a, uh, a time commitment issue, you know, like, like what, <laughs> Like, <laughs> you just got to keep going a little longer. Yeah. I think it's multifold. I think any sexual struggle is o- always a combination of like mm. biopsychosocial, meaning biological, psychological, and, and like sociological nice. and how they interact together. Right. And sometimes it may start as like a biological thing, but then it's like maintained by a social thing. Mm. So if like if we think of maybe... I hate using this word, but quote unquote, premature ejaculation, right. AKA maybe coming before you want to. Right. Maybe it happened one Don't time. Don't know anything about it. Yeah. Uh, never ha- never could, happened, could, right? Could, never talk about it. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Um, but like maybe it happened one time like biologically because like someone was... Um, I don't know who knows whatever caused it, but then because of the social pressures, then it's continuing because someone feels right. ashamed and embarrassed. So I think with the not orgasming, I mean, the first point that I try to work with on couples... Uh, with couples or individuals on this topic is um, not being so goal oriented. Mm. Um, so while yeah. I want to support people to like have pleasurable experiences, sometimes that includes an orgasm. Uh, people put a lot of pressure on that being like the defining successful thing of sex. So I just want to say that off the bat me like emphasizing how to close the orgasm gap doesn't mean that sex has to be goal oriented. Mm. But um, in terms of the, what we're talking about, I think it's multifold. So one is our culture kind of has this hierarchy of sexual acts. 
um so you know like the first the base, first second base. base. exactly yeah. mm. so like that the home run is penetrative vaginal sex or <laughs> anal vaginal or anal sex and so only about 10 percent or less of people with vulvas say that their most reliable route to orgasm is via penetration mm. yet that is still sort of the seen as the gold standard right. of like what is supposed to be pleasurable so sometimes people come in and they're like well i'm not having an orgasm and i'm like well tell me about the sex that you're having and they're like well you know we maybe do a little bit of like fingering and stuff and then we do penetration and i can't orgasm i'm like well are you playing with your clitoris no mm. and then i'm like well do you masturbate yes how do you do it oh well, with my hand or a vibrator so often on your clitoris, <laughs> yeah, on your on their clitoris, <laughs> right? Um, with no penetration, yeah. And ooh, so often ooh. it's just a, a a disparity, a difference between how they're self pleasuring versus how it is with a partner. So I think it's lack of awareness and understanding about one's body, lack of awareness and understanding from from a partner about their partner's body, um, and what it takes to get there. Another thing that you mentioned was time. So <laughs> I think this is like a social, cultural, and body thing but like people feel embarrassed when they feel like it's taking too long right Mm -hmm. they're like Like a chore yeah like why would someone want to stay there for so long like and then they feel pressured and then it's not going to happen because they feel pressured um and then another factor communication people don't know how to say what they want to ask for what they want they feel embarrassed um they don't want to make their partner feel bad Mm. um or like if it's a male female they don't want to emasculate their partner um, or maybe they have said something and the partner's been like, I know what I'm doing, um, <laughs> right, which has right. happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for your input. Yeah. I'm but fine. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I got this. I'll yeah. get there. Right. So I think it's, it's all of these things like all happening together. Um, how much of that, um, I know this is probably way too broad of a question, but, but I, I do, it does make me wonder like how much of that is. Uh, stems from our consumption and and sort of like education and viewpoints from 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 porn well um as a lover supporter and consumer of porn um i I want to lift it up totally yeah uh, and normalize it but porn is entertainment yeah um done by athletes and yeah. professionals yeah right like have you ever tried to like do a plow position for like more than two minutes like it's it, you know it's exhausting <laughs> mm-hmm. um so i think the issue is not the porn in and of itself i think the issue is not having like a sex education context to make sure that people know that that is entertainment yeah so if people are like treating it as their <laughs> sex education and like that's the only place they learn about it then like then yeah that becomes problematic as opposed to if we view it as what it is, which is entertainment. Like, do you think the orgasm gap was like, uh, Oh, I think the last part I forgot to say about that is like, people just don't care about women's pleasure. Sure. Right. Of course. Of <laughs> that, course. Yeah. yeah. That, That's yeah. like a, you know, small, small factor to add in there. But like, um, a lot of people just don't care. Yeah. Um, research on it has been like no or like done by men Mm -hmm. um and so it just culturally hasn't been important so it's like oh you can't have an orgasm like sounds normal to me yeah 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 Yeah, most people i have have sex with don't have orgasms (laughs) yeah Yeah, so it's like uh, that's like a huge part about it and you you might have just like answered my question before i could even get it out which was i read your mind uh which was like do you think the orgasm gap was an issue in like 1903 you know what I mean? Like, like, like yes. Like, and I don't which, think people gave a shit. Right. Just because people just didn't fucking care. It was like, well, no, it doesn't matter. You know, because right. I was thinking about back in that time of like, we, we didn't, I mean, sexual education really probably wasn't a thing, period. But there was also, there, was, there wasn't like porn where we see and, and like completely associate sex with penetrative um, based sex. And, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, well, it was, it was 1901. So like it really, you know, the whole idea of like any sort of, uh, research into female pleasure or pleasure for people, you know, vulva, uh, owning people, vulva carrying, vulva carrying people, <laughs> um, just was not a thing back then, uh, you know, as much as it is not really a thing now. Like you look at the, what was that show we were watching that one time about, 
It was like explained or something. Yeah. Where they were talking about like the or- funding that's gone into female pleasure is just like zero compared to to you know the, the viagras and the yeah because who cares because who fucking cares yeah that's changing though right is i think it? it is changing but it's definitely has a long way to go it's a, well, it's a little late <laughs> yeah it's definitely yeah. late <laughs> and also like is there a question around like the merit of because you know sometimes i think of what we do and the conversations we have and what my family probably thinks and like or, you know you're a like he living a hedonistic lifestyle and you know it's like is is female pleasure kind of getting swept under the rug even now with with like well it goes hand in hand with whatever the wild kids are like trying to get into these days and polyamory and like it feels like it's kind of coming in a wave with a lot of things that to the old guard probably just seem wildly i mean i think the the gap is still there and and there's a a big a long way to go Mm -hmm. um so probably I, i also live I try to inform myself about what's happening in, in other areas, but I, I live in a, in a, the city of LA and on a coast. And so I think, and I exist in a bubble of, you know, people like yourselves. So I think, yeah. uh, it's hard to remember what else is like happening <laughs> out there. Where yeah. in the world are things unfolding a little more progressively than, or, or where are they, are they ahead of us anywhere in the world in terms of female pleasure and, and, emphasizing its importance or sexuality as as an important expression i actually i'm not positive about this because i I can't speak specifically but i other parts of the world are definitely doing better around like comprehensive sex education Mm -hmm. starting earlier like you know scandinavian countries and places like that so i imagine potentially yes Mm -hmm. um but i can't i can't say i'm not sure Anytime I feel like Scandinavians are always coming out on top with <laughs> everything. The con- yeah, the it's a great, it's a cool place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got to figure it out, I think. I just like, can't we let guys well, just reorganize? So and, and sometimes it's dark the whole day, you know, what, what else? You got, but they you have Nordic have, spas. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I go. just went to Norway and it was really it was very oh, cool. What a dream. Highly recommended. What a dream. You know what? I, I have a question that has pertains to the previous subject. Is can, is this now okay in like podcasting structure land for me to zip back there and Fuck no. ask a question? You can, always, you can always edit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretend I asked this 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm really curious about clients that come into your room with the um, minor attachment. Like what is there for those folks? Like are, you know, like conversion therapy was used on home, like people with homosexual attraction then is like what is there for people with not that conversion therapy was like a thing like an option that you would <laughs> no no no, like, no. it worked on them you know it's thank <laughs> yeah. god we had that for them <laughs> well probably i mean studies have shown that p- people have attempted that um but the results show like no better than it did for you know people who were gay um though there are folks who still research and talk about uh chemical castration mm-hmm. so whether that be like potentially like a physical castrating of like somebody's testicles or like taking medication that like shuts down um some of their like hormonal responses um that is a thing that some people do what is that like like they would use like estrogen or or what is the like they're basically trying to like cut off the are they kind of are they trying to cut off tea or what like like, testosterone supply honestly i don't know that might be a james Cantor question yeah um i don't know enough about it to say because i would never urge people to do it right. so i'm kind of like yeah no go, don't go that route yeah um but i probably you know as i'm doing my dissertation i will uh keep you updated yeah, because okay. i'm sure i will have to look into that but yeah. in terms of what i help people with um it depends what's going on for them i think a lot of the people that i have talked to and that i've seen have this attraction but they are committed to never doing anything about it and they also don't most of them don't feel a worry or concern that they are going to do something about it. They just know that it exists. This, this, Oh, not the chemical, sorry, not the chemical castration. Um, they have no worry that they're going to act and offend against children. Right. But they, right. And what I meant was like, they just have a, they just know that they, they know that they have this interest this and way. this attraction yeah, yeah. and they're like, but I don't want to harm any children. I yeah. know this is illegal. I don't feel afraid that I'm going to all of a sudden do this. 
Um, so I think that type of client is very different from someone who's like, I don't think there's a problem with having sex with kids or maybe someone who's already offended, um, who might have some other, you know, mental health issues going on. Um, so I would, I would manage those things very differently. So for someone who hasn't offended and is committed to, to not doing anything about it, to me, it's more working on, uh, potential shame, Mm -hmm. uh, isolation, uh, community building, and helping them find find outlets and resources for ethical, legal, and fulfilling um, sexual and relational outlets. Mm. Um, I think it's just treating them like a human being and being like, what's going on for you? How can I support you? Just like I would for any other client. Yeah. Um, and sometimes folks who come in with that attraction, they're not coming in because they're struggling with the attraction. Um, so we might not even like talk about it as a main thing. Right, right. Um, but most of the studies out there, I think, are they view people who have this attraction as like ticking time bombs. Mm-hmm. So they're like, OK, this, they're almost like they need to figure out how to prevent them from doing something. Which is not necessarily the case. Which at is all. not yeah. necessarily the case. Yeah, I, This might be, you know, this might be something that uh, might be a little icky for people to hear on the show, which is something that that also I should say that James Cantor really stresses. Like all this, although this subject matter might make you feel a certain way um that's understandable that's okay that's that's a totally that's like a totally okay thing but also like come at this with a very open mind and open ears and open heart um i think it's so understandable that people have that response because it's so ingrained in our culture and it's one of fear and fear is a really powerful feeling absolutely yeah um did you are you familiar with that case of the guy up in canada i believe it was newfoundland who ordered know. a he ordered like a doll sex doll. from uh, like a sex doll uh. from Japan but it was it was like a child sex yeah, doll they have those and then they and then they arrested him uh, at customs they stopped at a customs opened it up basically arrested him on on what on child porn uh, charges it was basically like chi- child pornography charges was like I think no the I hadn't charge. heard of that yeah. but I'm not surprised yeah um, what like is there is there what are the thoughts on those types of things for preventative measures or like, or, you know, whether it be an actual physical doll or through writing or through like finding ways to stimulate or satiate the, the fantasy or the desire without actually, without, without anybody actually being harmed. I think repression is really dangerous. Yeah. And the more people like repress and don't have an outlet, like to me, that's, a powder dangerous yeah. whether that means like they're going to do something illegal or just dangerous to them as like a human being yeah um and like their soul so i think um wait what, what was the i guess basically is there like is there is there a um oh okay is there a thought or or some sort of uh i think people are people are afraid and so they're worried that if maybe we give folks an outlet to legally and ethically like explore this desire that it's going to be a gateway for them to want more um and i think from the research i've looked at the people who are going to offend like this it's going to happen potentially for them but the people who aren't going to offend um having an outlet i think is crucial right and so whether that's a doll whether it's doing like age play role play with someone of adult age whether it's looking at like anime of people who are Mm. not real um, reading erotic literature yeah, whatever it is i think having a a healthy outlet and a sexual relationship with oneself is important Mm. and some people who are attracted to minors are also attracted to adults right um it can be a spectrum and so making sure they find folks that they can connect with um i think is crucial but yeah dolls dolls is one example but i think because of the fear that people think it's a gateway um I think that's bullshit. To me, it reminds me of people saying that you shouldn't teach your kids anything besides abstinence, only sex education, because then they're going to, you know, have lots more sex. Once the doors open. But as we see, like, the more limiting you are, I think the more trouble people get into and and they don't even have any information about what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which leads to so many other issues. Yeah. Huh. I I really, I, I honestly, like, I'm, I have never been more happy to read an email about a potential guest that we were having on the show and to see that first thing that you wrote down, which was that this is the, this is the study that you were like devoting so much of your time to, because I, 
Like I said, I oh, think at the very you. beginning of this conversation, I think it's so fucking important. Well, that's an honor because like James, <laughs> James Cantor is like a hero. So I feel yeah. honored to be even grouped in. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's the man. I love that guy. Are there other because it does seem like a lot of sex podcasts and sex education that's like current and out there is is probably, you know, just more broad and more like uh, uh, applicable to the to the greater population of people who are looking for information on sex. But like, are there other things like this subject that are sort of under the radar, but like, um, maybe not emerging, but like require some study and uh, investigation? I mean, probably a bunch of other paraphilias. Other paraphilias. Yeah. yeah. You know, like any, any kind of any kind of kink or fetish that um could lead to harmful yeah probably or like zoophilia like yeah. with animals bestiality stuff mm-hmm. um yeah i would love to get that guy in the podcast who wrote what's that book wet goddess i haven't heard what of is, that no i don't know what is he's it he's the guy who had like a uh, like a long-term relationship with a dolphin oh <laughs> yeah with a dolphin Yes, I'm wait, not advocating for wait, interspecies wait, wait, wait. sex, but the, I would be interested to talk to him. <laughs> that wasn't the per- no, that was a woman. The person that was trying to doing the study about speaking to dolphins, trying to teach them English. No, this was a guy who in the 70s like had a relationship with he was a dolphin trainer, I guess, and had a relationship with a dolphin and um he said she came on to him and like yeah, interesting. It was consensual and Well, did you hear about the the guy the, the the team that was trying to teach dolphins to English? They were trying to learn how to communicate with dolphins. And there was a mm. woman who basically like the way that they 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 spelled it out, this was on stuff you should know or maybe it was this American life, but um they had a like a house built with that was flooded like that the dolphin would be in and, and but it was also a space where the scientists could go in and try to like interact with the dolphins and there was this woman who spent a great deal of her time in there with this one dolphin trying to train it to communicate with her and in her words she was like it came on to me and so i you know i jerked it i, I would jerk it off like every couple of days just so it would fucking it would, I, I'd, I'd so release it. So leave me alone. Yeah, I'd, re- I just, yeah, I'd release it. I just want to eat my dinner. I'd jerk it off and we could get to work, you know? And like, and, and she faced so much criticism. There out. are, there are, you know, dolphin to human rapes that happen. Yeah, yeah. Out there. Totally. Oh, who is it that has that? Is it Nikki Glaser that has like, oh no, no, it's Catherine Ryan. She's this comedian from Canada. Um, she oh, talks about, she's, she's all about, she's like, I, you know, I love men, but I'm just not ready for one of them to live in my house. And so, but she has this thing about, she's like, you know, talks about them like they're dolphins. She's like, and some, and a lot of them are rapists. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah what's the name so of that book I again? I imagine Wet. that may be the next frontier, yeah. but so many topics of sex are so difficult to study yeah. um, because yeah. of, you know, finding participants, but are legal and ethical stuff. So there, there's so many limitations to all kinds of sexual studies just because, and for good reason that there are like, you know, rules and regulations on what people yeah. can study. But um, I, I'm sure that that's the next frontier. Yeah. Interesting. What a world we live in, guys. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah. Nicoletta, I want to, I, I honestly, I want to thank you. This has been such a, such a wonderful treat to sit down and, and shoot the shit with you for, for an hour or so. Thank you. Um, and uh, I, you know, it, it to, I knew that coming down here, um, you know, getting out of our little bubble up in Atlanta, Canada and coming down here and, and meeting some of the people in the, the city of LA would open up some really interesting conversations. And this is for sure, uh, you know, one of those conversations that has not disappointed. So, uh, on behalf of myself and all of our listeners, thank you so much for for t- hanging out with us. This has been really, really great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and thank you all for listening. Uh, we love each and every one of you. And in the meantime, uh, while you're waiting for next week's episode to come out, go to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Tell, uh, tell your favorite family member to do the same thing. And then leave a rating and a review. Uh, let us know your thoughts. We, we love to see the, the ratings and the reviews come in on Apple Podcasts. And also, you doing that just kind of keeps us up on the iTunes charts in Canada, at least. We're probably buried deep in, in the U.S. Yeah. at this point. But uh, uh, that means a lot to us. And actually, if you want to support us in a, in a much deeper and more... Um, more important way, uh, go to patreon.com slash turn me on. Uh, because to your city. Yeah, this we wouldn't be here in LA. Give them it, your money. If it wasn't for <laughs> if it wasn't for our patrons. So to everyone who's uh, who has uh, decided to join our team over there, 
on on Patreon. Thank you. And to all of you who have considered it but haven't done it yet, uh, I believe in you. So <laughs> patreon.com slash turn me on. And if you want to be a guest on the show or you have a question you'd like us to take a stab at uh, uh, advising you on, um, you can email us at termionpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, termionpodcast.com. That is it for this week. Until next week. Go fuck yourself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.